Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 23 of season four of this osteopathic life. It has been a while, something you're not supposed to say when you're coming back for a while saying, testing, one, two, three, is this thing on? Or dusting off the keyboard or whatever that might be. And yet I said it, and here we are. On this, the sixth day of September, 2022, and I will honor that this is a moment where we are recording together and give a shout out to one of my very dedicated listeners and lifelong fans, my mother, whose birthday happens to be today. So we'll make this a birthday shout out a moment. I won't sing the family birthday song, but it is available on the internet if you find me giving the story, the opening story at Hearsay, a cornucopia event. A couple years ago, I do sing our family tradition birthday song, so you can find that there. But I'll send out lots of thanks and love and birthday wishes there. This episode has had a couple of different iterations, all in my mind, as you might notice, as they have not shown up in your various podcast applications. And even today, as I arrive here and the message is coming through, I'm curious as to what will take precedence. And I'll build on an experience yesterday, and we will see where that takes us. So I thank you for being open to the journey of this experience in the moment as it presents itself. So yesterday was a Monday, and actually I intended to record an episode yesterday, and I thought, I don't think I've ever recorded an episode on a Monday. (laughs) And that remains true as it is now currently Tuesday. And it was Labor Day Monday here in the United States, and in our family and in this state, a major tradition is to walk the Mackinac Bridge, which is about a five-mile journey between the upper and lower peninsulas of Michigan. And it's something that we did pretty consistently annually for most of my childhood. And I'll say all the way up until probably the graduation from high school, even into some college years. And then I think only once as a college graduate have I walked the bridge. And as you might imagine, this was often on my mother's birthday weekend and was also shared birthday with my uncle. And so it had that added bonus with it, but it was almost a guarantee. And interestingly, now it was you know, much less than half of my life actually, but feels still like a prominent experience. And while I live relatively near to the Mackinac Bridge now, I live about two hours away there. And I considered for a moment driving up there, but then I thought, well, I will simply honor the day with a walk of the same distance and incorporate some bridges into it. And we happen to have completed the Boardman Lake Loop. The Tart Trails here in Traverse City has worked very hard for many years and created this beautiful loop that completely circumnavigates Boardman Lake, which is only a few blocks, the entrance is a few blocks away from my home. 
And it's a place I've frequented regularly. I think I've shared with you it has gone from being a 10K loop for me to a five-mile loop because of those bridges and making the course more efficient, which I can appreciate in some ways, although I do need to now develop a 10K loop, which is not a problem. It's something that can be done. So I thought, it'll be great. I'll make this five-mile loop. I'll incorporate some bridges, and I will walk on this Labor Day Monday. And it was a beautiful day. The weather has had some interesting ups and downs. We've had these early arrivals of autumnal vibes and really chilly evenings and some intermittent rain, although not very much rain actually at all. But yesterday, yesterday was really, really beautiful. And actually today is as well. And so I set out solo on that journey, although I was engaging in a text thread with my family and listening actually to a fiction audiobook, which is somewhat rare for me, and enjoying the experience. And as I did, I happened to have put on a shirt that said run. And in this moment, I am not eligible for running. I have aggravated an injury in my back, which can be frustrating. And I've had a number of different injuries over the last, let's say, five years really has been kind of the time frame where I've hit some pretty significant speed bumps and say setbacks or pauses in my activity tolerance and having to shift and modify and sometimes completely shut down activity for a time for healing. And so as I'm taking this walk on the loop that I really most often run and already having made some adaptations in my life to not run as often, right, to have some reduced stress on different joints from past injuries, I'm wearing the shirt that says run and feeling very much not like a runner. And that brought me to think about the way that we name ourselves and the way in which we identify ourselves and what the impact is when we say that we are something, where we identify really directly and concretely with a certain thing versus when we identify as a person who participates in some activity. And let me talk to you a little bit more about that. And it actually came up for me. I did a Facebook Live for this as well on the intro of the podcast. And actually, I was looking for the previous episode where I talk more specifically about those different roles of self. And I was a little bit relieved. And as I was saying that script back to myself, you know, as I do have it committed to memory, but I often do pull it up in script when I'm opening and I say it uniquely at the start of each podcast episode that I do say in my varied roles. And there's a little bit of space granted there, but I follow it up with as physician, parent, athlete, writing, musician, coach, entrepreneur. And while there is some of that space, because it identifies those as roles and not as necessarily who I am or how I am or my way of being. So I will admit, when I was thinking about it, I didn't think about that in my varied roles portion. And in some ways, I go back to my historical self who wrote that intro to the podcast and say, okay, well done. That was thoughtful and that was helpful and it gives you some space so that in the moment when you might not actively be doing those things, there can be still you existing. Now these have a little bit different flavor if you physician and we could talk about that. I'm not currently clinically practicing, but I don't believe and I don't believe it's even possible to undo the physicianship of a person If they're simply not clinically practicing, there are many ways to engage in physicianship. There are many specialties, right? So actively practicing physicians might be doing many different things as well. But even there, if you identified really as a physician completely wrapped up in that identity and you weren't 
doing the thing that you identified as being the way of being a physician, lots of beings in there. For example, let's say surgery, right? Or for me, hands-on treatment. And if that discontinues for any reason, injury, circumstance, whatever that might be, do you then lose all sense of self, right? So having that idea of it being a role that you play, and even that can make it seem less significant or less genuine, but a role that you play, right, can still be quite genuine. And just seeing that the space between can be useful. Parents, now that one is fascinating because, again, there's not a lot of undoing of that. And there are also many ways to look at what it means to be a parent, right? We can look at the biologics and we can look at the nurturing that goes into it and we can look at the phases of parenting, right? There are different stages of the engagement of a parent over the lives of their children, but they remain a parent. That means a parent, not they remain a parent, A-P-P-A-R-E-N-T. And should something happen, right? If there are rifts in those relationships or if there is a death in one party, right? Is that parenting shifted? Likewise, if we have everything tied up into that identity of being a parent, and there are those significant shifts in relationship, what does that mean to us? Athlete, and I didn't really mean to go through this bit by bit, but we're going to just because we're here and it's in front of me in the moment. Lots of different ways to be an athlete. However, if that was your predominant or your only way of being, and then that stopped for a variety of reasons, we have one example before us, right? Serena Williams is in her evolution from or within or through tennis, And certainly she could be an athlete in many different ways, actively, even beyond tennis. And I would imagine there'll be some physical engagement within her and perhaps some competitive engagement as well. What does that mean, right? If you identify as athlete and then discontinue that activity with which you most closely identified in that space, how do you then uphold your identity beyond that? Similarly, writer, musician, coach, entrepreneur, some of these have more absolutes in what it looks like to actively participate in them, but I'm still going to pull through coach. So right now I'm actively practicing as a professional coach in the healthcare space, working with physicians and healthcare professionals and medical students and residents to address challenges that they face to help them to see the health that they have within I've also engaged as a coach on a variety of levels, and I actually will be doing so again here at the elementary running level, and also in simple conversation, right? Coaching practices are coming through. So it can absolutely still be part of what it is that I'm doing, whether or not I have an official title or stamp or wearing that particular hat in the moment. And so when I was looking at my shirt that said run as I was walking and very much missing running. And perhaps it would have been helpful to maybe not do the loop that I associated with running so that it felt appropriate, normal. However, you might want to look at it to walk those five miles because walking was the only way I'd ever traversed that ground. I don't feel a craving to run the Mackinac Bridge, although I do believe you can run only if you leave earliest, right? Only if the run is done before the walkers present over that bridge. But I associate that with walking. So it wouldn't feel like a disappointment or an incongruence to walk over the Mackinac Bridge. But I've associated this loop with running. And so it feels a little bit odd to traverse it with walking. Now I have walked the loop and I'm okay with that. But I think it was the fact that I was wearing that shirt in that moment and looking down at that and thinking, huh, right, this shirt says run and I cannot. And I feel 
like a runner. For many years, I identified as a runner, even when I was racing triathlon. And even there, I often use that phrasing. Isn't that fascinating? I didn't often say I am a triathlete, right? I race triathlon. And oftentimes I would say I am a runner, right, who completes triathlons. I would even take it to that level. And so just noticing, and it doesn't mean we have to change any of this, right? But it's just noticing what it is that we are telling ourselves and how we are identifying. And if that's helpful, and sometimes it can be really helpful, right? To really embrace that and embody it and fully integrate it into your way of being. And that can really work. And that could work indefinitely, or it could work for a time. But if you come up to a space where it feels like it's no longer working, what options do you have? Right? So if I identify as a runner, I am a runner, and I cannot run, that can all still be true. I'm a runner who cannot run currently, who cannot run for some indefinite amount of time, and I can be okay and embrace that. But if that dissonance between saying I'm a runner and then knowing where right, I haven't run in the past few weeks, and in some stages of life that might have been a much longer interval, it can feel again, dissonant, incongruent to continue to use that phrasing. And so you might shift it and try something else on it. You might say, I'm a person who runs or I'm a person who ran, or I'm a person who enjoys running and is not presently running. That's been helpful for me in the physician clinical space, right? I'm a physician, still true, right? I am still certified. I'm continuing to update my education. I am engaging in medicine in ways that really make a lot of sense to me. I actually feel like an expansion and embodiment of the way I really understood the osteopathic concept and the practice of osteopathic medicine. But I will offer up, I'm a physician on a clinical pause. And that can be useful, right? So I am a runner right, on a running pause. Maybe that works. Or a person who runs. And just noticing what that shift might offer you. Does it give you a little bit of space to feel like you were still speaking the truth? to acknowledge your relationship with something and to embrace it and love it still, even if you can't actively engage in that moment. And seeing what it means and how that dialogue either fills you up or drains you and recognize the opportunity you have to make shifts accordingly for your own benefit and for your own continued success. Now, when we're building a new habit, so for me, I have run for many years of my life. I think tracking back to seventh grade, you know, is where it most consistently began. But I can even think of some 5Ks I ran in the years prior to that. And even in those places where I denied running. So originally, I planned to run in college and then got kind of tired and also a little bit injured from running a lot in high school, eight seasons between cross country and track. And also didn't want to wear the uniform, to be perfectly honest what they have you wear in college with the little underwear. It's gotten better now, <laughs> but I wasn't a fan. Although rowing uniforms, we could argue, aren't all that much more generous, although they do cover a little bit more. And there's actually been research now, right, in the uniforms that are given to men and women in sports. And that's a whole other episode. But I was a person running, right? I was a runner who opted out of running in that moment, but I still always came back to it. So it was this anchor space. So I would try other sports and I would drift back to running or I would try other sports and highlight the running portion of them. And it was always this go-to. And that is okay too. And notice what those anchor parts of who and how you are might be and welcome them back. And notice if there are versions of that that do work because walking really is 
pretty closely related to running. And now those who identify as runner and the runner's high might argue with you, but it is covering ground by foot. And some might say, and I might agree with this school of thought, that walking gives you a greater chance to integrate and engage with your environment. You're moving at a different pace. There's a different level of stress and intensity in your body. So you can see things differently. And this really opens up another part of this identity discussion. So as I'm taking this walk, wearing a shirt that says run, feeling very much not like a runner, but also in my heart, knowing runner has always been a part of me, I happen upon a picture of a loon. And now a quick backstory here. My name is Amelia Louise. Growing up, I was called Amy Lou, and that morphed into Amy Loon on one day when my hair happened to be in a bit of a chaotic state, and one of my older sisters offered that up, and it stuck, right? And as you might imagine, there are different iterations, Amy Loon, Loon, Loonbird, and I had a lot of Loon stuffed animals and different collectibles that way. And as I mentioned, I made this loop many, many, many times, and over the weekend was in discussion with some friends, and we were talking about different murals in town, different paintings and different art installations on buildings. And one of them said, oh, and the loon on Boardman Lake. And I thought, what? Like, what are you talking about? I circle that lake so many times, but it's usually on bicycle or running, which are both relatively fast paced activities. And clearly I'm in a different mental space. And I was in disbelief, right? That there could be a painting of a loon, which is a integral part of my identity on a building around a trail that I have circled so many times and I didn't see it. And so noticing as well the opportunity of this pacing and a shift in our engagement, right? Same path, same steps taken, same clothing worn. And I was now able to see it because of this pacing. Now, could I have seen it on the run of the bike? Potentially. Now that my attention was drawn to it, was it more likely that I would see it? Yes, but at the same time, it was fascinating to me, and I literally, as I texted on this family thread, making my own Mackinac Bridge Walk, five-mile loop, including bridges, pondering identity, click send, look up, and the picture of the loon is in front of me. And I paused. I took a picture of it and took a picture with it and just marveled in that moment. You know, I actually haven't, identified with Loon in many years because in the transition time around college, I pivoted and began using my given name, Amelia, and don't often have the incorporated middle name used. And at this age and stage in my life, Loon just doesn't come up as much. And as I look around my home, those artifacts haven't really traveled with me. So that was a phase, right? So there's an identity during a certain phase of my life, but seeing it on this building and hearing that story, right, spoke back to those parts of me. And so recognizing as well, there may have been a way in which you identified at certain times in your life that might have gone dormant, but still can reemerge in those certain moments or in that just right context or with a certain group of people, right? So people who met me in this latter half of my life may know nothing about that. You might now, if you're listening here, but those who knew me when I was younger, might say, of course, right? Amy Loon, that's part of the experience. So just seeing the identity can come up in lots of ways. And it can be encouraging. It can be nostalgic. We talked about real nostalgia 
in previous episodes, it can also be limiting. And you can tune in and you can decide and you can choose how you continue or shift your engagement with that practice of identity. And so as you might imagine, in this two-thirds of the way through the episode, we're going to pull up some definitions and just see what comes up. Identity, the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. And the fact in there, that's an interesting one. And we talk a lot in coaching and in our programs about story versus fact. And so here's a place in a space where you could do some distillation. And I offer this up to my clients with whom I work when they're having a challenge in their lives and they might be noticing an internal dialogue that could be challenging them. And one of the things we offer up is, is is it true? And so if you think about identity, what are some facts, right? Irrefutable facts about who and how you are. And even this, right? There could be some disagreement here. And if we use that phrase, I identify as, right? We can bring up a whole different discussion and probably more of a debate in some spaces. And I hold space for that. We're not going to go there today, but looking at what are the facts of your identity? And so you could get down, numbers are really helpful for thinking about facts. So you could go to your birth date, right? I'm a person who was born on this day. And even there, right? There's some room. If you're going to look at your sign, there's some shifts around that. So you could look there where you were born, right? The family into which you were born. And again, staying factual, because we could also look at some broader definitions of family and how people might engage in that way, right? And you could look at schools you attended, right? So you were an alumni of some space. And so just looking at how can you get to the facts of your identity? And this might seem boring or not very colorful, but it's also helpful to have that framework. And then you can notice the way you fill in the stories around it, right? So if it's, I've completed... I don't even know now. I should know. Seven, eight marathons, something to that effect. So am I a marathoner or, right, as part of my identity, I'm a person who has run X number of marathons and we could put the time in there. And so just looking at, right, I can't keep away from the running (laughs) in this discussion. So that could be a useful place to begin. And looking at some of those I am statements, right? And so we've talked in the past about I am, and we put those roles in there, physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, entrepreneur, I can remember them. Or I am, right? Kind, calm, peaceful, whatever those words might be. (laughs) And that was my trifecta. Those had to just come through there. Those might be more story oriented. Now they might be true in as much as many people would agree on them. You might survey 50 people who know you, right? What would you say most describes me. You might get out that most commonly used phrase or phrases there. But look at what those facts of being who or what a person or thing is. And that really segues into the second part, the characteristics determining who or what a person or thing is, right? So then you can get a little bit more story, a little more nuance in there. And that's not to say it's true, false, or otherwise, right? It's important to notice what's fact so that if you're having an issue, you can get back down to that and then notice, right, some of those characteristics and who's describing them. And again, is that helpful? Is that building you up? Is it breaking you down? Is it moving you toward the space you want to go? Is it holding you back? Is it helping you to integrate and be supportive in your community, in society? Or are you being disruptive? And is it disruptive in the good way, right, that good kind of trouble? Or disruptive in a problematic way that is oppressive to others, 
So just look at the opportunities we have to navigate that space. Serving to establish who the holder, owner, or wearer is by bearing their name and often other details such as a signature or photograph. Now, this is so interesting. My oldest son's school ID was on the table as he was preparing his bag for back-to-school day. And his sister asked him, like, why do you have to have this card? And just thinking about that. So we could talk about why we do have these different identification mechanisms and their utility. We could talk about being in a space where people do have a name tag on. Or if you're in a business, do you, if there's a shirt you know, of those who work for that business wear. So we can easily identify one another and understand our roles and be able to personalize, right? See the name and engage that way. And times when is it maybe not helpful to be labeled or have that predetermined space? So just thinking about that. Identity in a mathematics definition is a transformation that leaves an object unchanged. Now we could get specific into the mathematics, but I want to take this more at a literal figurative level here. A transformation that leaves an object unchanged. And I love the word immutable. And we talk about it in terms of worthiness in our coaching programs. But what about immutable identity? And now even as I say that in my love for that word in those key and core foundational aspects, I think that can be so powerful, so steadying. And also I have this creeping in concern that it may be limiting unchanged, unchangeable. And while, again, I think it can be so useful to have those aspects of you that are guaranteed, no matter what, people can say, Amelia is blank, and maybe we'll offer up this survey. And know that there are some steady parts of the identity that won't change. I also notice this sense of, but what if, right, that's holding you back from evolving into this other version of who and how you are. I'll bring back Serena, my fellow 1981-born Saginaw native. Right. So if tennis right, was the unchanged aspect of identity or Grand Slam winner, right, we want to get more specific about that, and that's not happening, what does that mean? And what does it begin to do to a person? And does it begin to detract from the times in which that was true and is staying there unchanged, right? Grand slam winner. And then if you're in a grand slam and you aren't winning, what does that mean? Are you not you anymore? Or can there be elements of that that do have space to mold and to shift? And I think both can be true. The unchanged part is the historical grand slam wins, right? And the changing part might be the way in which there's engagement in these tournaments and also engagement beyond the play of tennis. And so just recognizing that, that there can absolutely be a benefit to having these steadfast parts of you and also space for the fluidity. And I really like to believe that both can be true and both really do have a key role in our success. So looking at some additional definitions, and I, <laughs> I'm being met with a very strange cat pop-up on the Merriam-Webster website, which let's just bring it through. A couple other options around identity, and we'll bring it to a close. An equation that is satisfied for all values of the symbols. And I love the opportunity here to just pull different parts of this phrasing through. 
It's an equation. Right? So even just taking that part, identity as an equation, and I put through the live inconceivable and inconceivable fitness equations for the better part of two years where it's bringing these different elements together and that's what brings forward this other way of being. And so I really do embrace that equation model. And most often it was addition and multiplication, but sometimes there would be a subtraction element. And so just noticing what are those parts, right? What is the sum total of your identity? What's the product? What is the difference in your identity? And what is being offered in and taken out? And what are those exponential multipliers that are part of who and how you are? And the second part of this, that is satisfied. And notice that, right? So walking a trail while wearing a shirt that says run might leave an element of dissatisfaction, of disappointment, of frustration even. But noticing if identity in that moment is I'm a person who moves or I'm a person who gets creative with traditions or I'm a person who celebrates right, Labor Day with walking, right? So bringing in that as part of the identity can bring in satisfaction. And think about different areas of your life where you are dissatisfied. What might you be telling yourself about what should be happening and what might you be able to shift to offer it up in a new way? For all values, in there too, right? What is valuable to you? You could think of it that way. What are your values? And we're talking about those unchanged parts of identity. Let those remain true, right? So if you are a person who identifies with integrity and for me, collaboration, revolution, inspiration, right? Let those hold true and let the ways in which they happen in your life have room to be fluid. Of the symbols, Right, S-Y-M-B-O-L-S, because I hear symbol and I think crash of the you know, drums happening. And what are those symbols of identity around you? Right, Seeing that icon of the loon on the building and seeing the symbol of osteopathic medicine displayed and recognizing water right, and its symbolism in my life. And so seeing those identifying factors and just putting that all together, an equation that is satisfied for all values of the symbols. Just ponder that. Think what that means. And so if you were to create in this moment an identity statement, or if you have more visual artists within you, if you identify in that way, if you want to bring it forward, what would you paint? What would the picture of you be? And maybe that's a vision board. Maybe it is a self-portrait. I ran into a little snag with that this morning in identifying the self-portraits on the wall of my daughter's classroom. But we were able to see, right, how they see themselves. And most of them were not all that supportive of the way in which they draw. And to draw a self-portrait, in my opinion, is quite challenging. But to see what it is that they highlighted, and I noticed for my daughter, it was the detail of the label of her sweatshirt. And not to be caught up in the brand, but because she really identifies with that sweatshirt. She wore it very consistently for the better part of two years. And of course, of all the things there, right, in this moment in her life, that was where she put her attention. We could talk about that and we could do a psychological analysis. But more so, it really said to me, like, I see, right, where you are and that consistency and that patterning is there and I see you. And then they got to put words next to it, which was always my saving grace because the picture would always be a challenge. But the words next to it, right, your favorite food or show or habits, whatever those might be, offering those up in that space. And I was heartened to know and really maybe my competitive self wishes I would have seen them blank and being able to offer them up because all the answers are what I would have shared. 
It's what I see. So it's how do we know one another, right? How are we presenting our identity and what might we not be presenting? And how we make safe spaces so that we can bring that forward to ourselves. We might not be presenting it to you and certainly to others as well. And so as we visit this concept and topic and recognize who and how we are, I hope there's space for you to explore, to hold strong to those core elements and evolve with what is shifting for you in relation to the world around you and honor and love the identity as it presents. This is Dr. Amelia Vicky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.